Amen. I, I remember a pastor's conference a couple of years ago that um, a lot of times in the conferences there'll be a theme, you'll have the main sessions, but then in the afternoons they'll give you seminars to pick from. And one of the seminars at this conference a couple of years back was called um, The Greatest Need. And the person speaking was this guy named Herschel Martindale, who's been a Bible teacher for many, many, many years. But he was teaching on the greatest need. And so knowing Herschel, as, as many of us do, and, and knowing the catchy title, The Greatest Need, it was kind of this curiosity thing. What's he going to talk about? What is the greatest need? Leadership. Uh, maybe it's getting in the Word. Maybe it's what is it? And, and so we go there kind of with great anticipation and and the topic that he spoke on was prayer. And he said, I was afraid if I put something about prayer, a lot of you wouldn't show up here to listen to it because we're very familiar with it. We all know it's very important. And, and he talked about sometimes we can have an attitude with prayer that it's, it's so familiar with us, it's so routine, and yet um, it's something we don't actually do. He said our attitude can be something. One of the phrases I took away with that um, will be we're dealing with things in life and, and someone will say, well, maybe we should pray. And, and the attitude can be kind of like, prayer? Has it come to that? And, and you know, so sometimes we joke in, in some of our pastor's meetings, we go, oh, let's, we should pray. And, you know, Greg Miller will be like, has it come to that, you know? Um, but uh, sometimes our attitude can be like, well, I guess, you know, there's nothing left to do but pray. And, I, and I'm thinking what we'll catch here is maybe... Jesus would encourage us to do that sooner and, and more often and more authentically. And so we're just going to really go through this passage and kind of look at what we can extract um, from the prayer itself, the Lord's Prayer. We just sang the Lord's Prayer. How many of you have ever memorized the Lord's Prayer before? Um, how many of you have memorized it in the King James Version? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, how many of you use the King James language in any other situation in your life? You know, could you, could you imagine? I just think about that, you know, taking my wife on a date and, honey, wherefore art thou? Shall we traverse to fair yonder restaurant? You know, I would enjoy thee there. And we, we don't use that anywhere except for one very special relationship where obviously he wants us to speak in King James. God, you know, that's, that's what he's like. Um, but, but maybe not, you know, and so uh, anyways, I, I've memorized it. I used to say that prayer for years, and um, it was real refreshing for me this past week to look over this prayer and try to catch what, what do I need to be reminded of, what do I need to start doing that I thought I was already doing, and, and maybe you'll find the same thing as we go through it here, but um, let's look at, uh, I just think I killed my PowerPoint. Nice. Is it back again? There we go. And one more. All right. So we're just going to go through a, a verse or two at a time here and pull out some thoughts. And, and I hope, um, feel free to write something down. I've got a handout here that really just has all the verses that, uh, from this passage. And you can jot notes down uh, as you want. You guys uh, take some and pass, pass them on here. And if you need a pen, we've got a bucket full of pens back there that will help in the taking notes department. So... Um, but we're just going to start off the first, the first verse here. Um, this is Jesus. He kind of shifts gear from last week. Uh, the subject was giving and giving in a way that uh, is without your left hand knowing what your right hand's doing, something that's relational, I think was what Greg said, versus transactional. But verse 5 is where we're going to start here. You can just read along and jot down notes. Um, 
where, where you feel led to, but first verse is just simply this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their, full, their reward in full. So we're just going to look at a few facets of this. Um, when you pray, you know, one thing we're going to catch here is that if Jesus was talking to his disciples, his followers, and we'll see that probably about four times now he says, hey, by the way, when you pray, uh, when you pray, and when you pray, and then he says, and you should pray. Um, but one of the things we should catch is that we should pray. There should be a time that is about when you pray. And uh, he says that time and time again. So as a disciple, we need to make sure prayer is a part of our, our lives. Um, but there's certain facets he specifically mentions here. You know, it said they were standing in the synagogues. You know, there was an idea behind that to stand and pray to them. that had an air of uh, spirituality behind it. Other people knelt or other people sat, but they made sure to stand when they prayed and to kind of stand out before men. And you might remember the story of two people were praying, and there was one, a Pharisee, that stood, and as that he prayed to himself. But the other one said there was a man that would not even look up to heaven. I have a feeling he was in some lowly position just going, I, I don't even want to look up now. But the other guy was standing and looking down. And we had to be careful our posture in prayer, but they stood for attention. said they stood on the street corners. Um, the modern-day version of that would be standing somewhere very public, standing, uh, can you imagine going to Park Meadows Mall, getting right next to the escalator and standing and beginning to pray. That, that's the equivalent of what they were doing. They were praying in a way and in a place that was extremely public that could be seen and noticed by many people. That's the idea of on the street corner there, um, to be seen. kind of speaks to the motivation. Why were they praying? To be seen. So, that, of course, if you want to be seen, you want to do it in the most public place possible in a way that stands out more than others who might be around you. And so they were standing on the street corners to be seen. And then he says about that, you know, what attention they got there. They received everything in full that they're ever going to get out of that prayer. They got it right there. Maybe somebody noticed. Maybe somebody said, wow, they're really religious or they're super spiritual or whatever it is, they got it there. And, and so this was Jesus just said, hey, but when you pray, don't, don't be like this. Don't pray to be seen. Now that's different than saying don't pray in public, don't pray when you're with people, because Jesus talks about praying with others in agreement and prayer. There's prayer. Um, the disciples had group prayer. It's not uncommon in the book of Acts. So it wasn't saying don't pray in public, but it was saying don't pray in such a way that you're trying to get attention. As pastors, we have to pray and in a lot of different times. We pray on services. We pray here and there. But if I was doing that solely for the attention, I'll just tell you right now, it wouldn't be worth it because I don't get a lot of attention for prayer. No one said, wow, that was an awesome prayer, Pastor. Um, you know, could you sign my autograph? Would you autograph? No, it doesn't happen. But, but we do pray in public, and we pray with others. The question really has to do more of what's your motivation? Why do you pray? And we'll talk about that a little more here. He does speak on that why and and that could relate to, to where we pray. This one here, verse 6, he just says, But when you pray, that means we should be praying, right? Uh, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, 
then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So this is a sharp contrast to what the spiritual people of the time were doing. He said, go, go into your room. Close the door. That's not someone who's seeking an audience of people, of man, but someone who's seeking an audience with God. Uh, and then, uh, love the King James does say this, Thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. There's this idea here that what you do in private that only God can see privately, he's going to reward you openly. And what you do openly, um, you know, you're not going to get anything privately from God or otherwise. But what you do privately, God notices. And he will openly reward you for that. And so, um, and this again, the concept here, God is more concerned about why you pray than where you pray. Now, he's, he's using the difference between this public scenario and your closet. I mean, some would say, well, very literally it has to be in your closet or depending on the translation you're reading. I think the heart that Jesus is speaking to is, is why you're doing it. If you're doing it for a show, you would never, you're never going to find a show in your closet, right? Um, but if you're not doing it for show, you can pray in public. I, I think that's not a, uh, what he was getting at here. That doesn't seem to be the, the context and the heart of, of this at all. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that I remember on this, just when I was a, just first learning to pray and to follow Jesus, I was taught the idea that, um, let's see if I put it in the notes here, there's, there's an idea that be more in private than you appear to be in public. All of us, whether we admit it or not, we have a flesh that puts off an appearance. Most of us like to put off an appearance that we have our acts together better than, than, our, than we really do. And we're more spiritual than we really are. And we can give this appearance. And, you know, I just remember one of my pastors taught me there's power that God will give you in your life when you do things that others aren't uh, your motivation for. That when he sees it in private, there's a power that he brings to you in public. Now, if you're just all for show, that's all it's going to be. It's going to be a show. It's going to be a facade. It can be superficial, pretentious. But when you do something in private that only God sees, there's a backing that he gives you when you're in other places, when you are in public. And, and I think we see that in Jesus' life. He had great power in public, but he also withdrew frequently, privately, to pray and converse with his Father. So um, just something to think about there. Be more in private than you are in public. That doesn't mean don't do anything in private. Sometimes the heart of this is, you know, uh, he's talking about people who are trying to stand out. You know what I found before? Sometimes in a group setting where, where you pray and you go around the group and everyone prays and there's someone that just doesn't pray. It's like they don't want to or it's just like a... But sometimes when the group's done, I've led groups where I go, you know what, um, I'll pull someone aside and just be like, out of everyone in this group, you know who stood out the most here? You, because you didn't want to pray. And I know you pray, and you pray all the time, but it seemed like you, you got a lot of attention by not praying tonight. And uh, that's strange to think, well, I didn't pray, but you can still uh, have a mechanism of getting attention that's the opposite of what other people would do. And the heart of it, Jesus was saying, if you're trying to get noticed by this group of people, that's all you're going to get. But if you really want to get noticed, you know, get honest with me. Be motivated by having me get your, have your attention here. So anyway, something to think about. Um, next, next couple verses here. Um, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. 
And we're just going to look at a couple facets of this. Again, I think we missed a part here, but when you pray, this is now the third time Jesus has mentioned in, in about as many verses, when you pray, when you pray, by the way, when you pray, by the way, you're praying, right? Uh, when you pray, here's some instructions for you. He mentions it three times. You know, sometimes they say when something's repeated, it's important. But when it's repeated three times, I think it's really important. And you can't be a follower of Jesus if you're not praying. Um, something to think about. Beware of babbling. Uh, there's a couple facets of babbling I think about. Um, some, uh, you know, I think that's why I did beware of mindless mantras. Any of you have seen the, uh, I think a modern example of this scene, Star Wars, the latest episode, what is it, Rogue One? Is that the latest one? There's a guy in there that's blind and he kind of fights. He's kind of, kind of trying to become someone who uses the force. And so he has a mantra that he says over and over again. Uh, I am with the force and the force is with me. I am the force and the force is with me. And, and he says it over and over again. At the end of the movie, it all comes together. The power is achieved because he said it now a billion times. And he's like a, a billion time mantra sayer. And, and he goes to the next level of awesomeness. And, and I think sometimes there's this thought in the world, it's very natural that if you say something over and over again, it's, it's going to be better for you. And Jesus says, you know, this is where he could have said something. Some people think, and that's, you know, that's kind of funny. You know, Star Wars, none of us are Jedi Knights. I get that. Um, but there are some people that also think there's a level of spirituality that can be achieved through a babbling prayer in your closet. You babble. You don't know what you're saying. And there's some who would say that is true spiritual prayer. Then. And I think if that would have been so important, this would have been a place where Jesus would have said, by the way, you really want to know how to pray? Go into a closet and babble in a way that you're not going to understand and no one else will, but it's going to be really powerful and really important. He had an opportunity to set the record straight. He did not say that. He said, by the way, watch out for that babbling stuff. Watch out for the religious routine things here. I, I think you can babble in a way that's mindless, but you can also repeat things religiously. You know, he, uh, he was speaking against that idea, saying the same prayer over and over. I think of some of my friends that grew up in a different religious environment than I did, and they went to confession, and depending on how good or bad they were that week, you know, the punishment was, all right, for you, rough week, 12 Hail Marys and a couple Our Fathers. Go do it, you know, get to it. And, and can somehow think that if we do, if we make the spiritual exercises, it's, it's going to be better for us. God really probably wants us to do that. That's really what he wants us saying the same thing over and over again, often thoughtlessly. But that's not what he really wants. You know, and I was struck by this even at uh, uh, this wedding that I went to that one of the priests did the blessing at this reception dinner, and, you know, he, he made the cross a number of times to bless the food, and, um, and then he prayed uh, grace or whatever you call it, and he prayed, guess what he prayed? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And I thought, interesting. You know, we're, I thought we were giving thanks for the food here or something. But he, he went into a very, uh, it was sounded very routine. And I know myself, when I grew up as a kid, I used to say that prayer all the time. And yet I didn't really know what it meant. It didn't really connect with me. And, and I definitely don't think I used it to connect with God. And maybe some people do that better. I know you don't have to be very religious to have routines. You know, I remember when I was growing up as a kid, we had a maybe less traditional church we went to, but we said the same prayer every time we ate. Some of you might have said this prayer. God is great. God is good. Thank you for this food and all your blessings. Anyone ever pray that prayer? No. Oh, 
He must not have been Episcopal. So, um, but we prayed that prayer literally probably hundreds, maybe thousands of times. We prayed it every meal for many, many years. God is great. God is good. Thank you for this food. And I think God is probably saying, oh, I'm so glad you said that to me again. <laughs> the same way you always say that without meaning it. Um, uh, I think sometimes in our church settings, we can be a little more, instead of being super formal, we might err on the informal. But I've found that in informal prayer, I often lead prayer before we, we give thanks for a meal or pray before the kids go to bed, pretty much every night and every meal. You know, we can get very routine in your prayers, even if you're informal. Lord, help us have a good night's sleep. Lord, bless our sleep. Give us good dreams. Um, and I've found more recently just trying to go, how do I make this prayer more fresh? We want his protection. We want a good night's sleep. But how can I bring something into this prayer that's not religious routine of an informal guy? You know. Um, so I think we have to watch for that as well. Um, your father knows. You know. Um, so here's a question for you. If your father knows what you need, maybe even knows what you're going to ask, why bother? Right? My father knows. Let's get on with life. God, you got me covered here. You know what I want. I'm going to keep on trucking here. Some people who are extreme Calvinists would go, hey, look, here's the deal. God has already predetermined everything he's going to do for me today, so why bother? If he knows, why bother? And I've had people that have communicated that before. And, but the answer to that question is, there, there's a couple answers. One, God is really, he's into relationship. God wants the relationship of you and I bringing our needs, bringing uh, ourselves to him in a relationship, a father and a child, and um, also that God's into relationship, but God, um, you know, there's a special relationship we have with God, our Father, our Creator. There's a, a fitting relationship that's the Creator with the creation, a father with a child, with a dependent. Prayer is a way you express dependence in, in a very fitting way. Another reason why we ask is because Jesus said to. He said over and ask, pray. Here's an example. Do this. Um, and so there's a couple reasons why. But, you know, I've been thinking about this. God doesn't want us to just say the same thing over and over. He doesn't want our religion. Sometimes people can be offended. We have on our flyer here, are you interested in God and not religion? Well, some people like religion. Some people want religion. Um, a lot of people are into that. I know people, dear people, believers who are into the form of religion. And, and yet the only thing I get here is Jesus did not seem to be into religion. He did seem to be into relationship. Hey, ask your father. He already knows, but ask him. It'll be very relational. And, and one of the things, one of the pictures I come away with in this whole thing here is, um, I think of my son, our youngest, Garrison. Some of you might know Garrison, six years old now. But Garrison is, out of all of our kids, um, he is probably the most cuddly, relational kid we've ever had. I don't know if it's because he's the last one and God's kind of like saying, I'm going to give you this this kid to kind of love you as uh, as you move out of kid business here for a while you know um but he is very relational and not that our other kids aren't relational but garrison is like off the charts and he'll just come and climb into your lap and start talking to you and he'll just cuddle up he, he loves to cuddle and the other day we were talking about, i did a funeral uh, two weeks ago and we were talking about um this guy was a believer, and we would see him again in heaven, and somehow just talking with Garrison, just having this conversation, but he's like, you know, Dad, when I go to heaven, I want to read my Bible with Jesus, and, and I want to snuggle him with my blanket, and, and that's a really big deal. He loves his blanket, and, and he sniffs it and holds it, and we've, 
we have put some boundaries on the blanket that it, thou shalt not leave the bed unless you are in the bed, the blanket's in the bed. And he, he's come a long ways on that. But for him, he wants to read the Bible with Jesus. Right now he just has a little picture Bible that he doesn't read very well, but he likes the idea of reading his Bible with Jesus and snuggling Jesus with his blanket. That, that's letting Jesus kind of have the benefit of this blanket of his, you know. And, and I just go in that. To me, it's a snapshot of, you know, he knows, your father knows what you need. But, you know, your father kind of enjoys relationship with you. When you're just honest, when you're vulnerable, when you're real. And, and yet that's, it's not as easy to do as you think. But I get these glimpses from little Garrison on that. And I go, I think, Father, that's what you're talking. That's what you want here. I love this relationship. And I think that's what you want with me, too. And I would enjoy it, and he'd enjoy it. And, um, you know, one of the... The things that I think uh, sometimes when you get into routine, it comes from doing the same thing over, reading the same version of the Bible over and over again. What I like to do from time to time is read another version, another translation. And even, please don't stone me, sometimes even reading a paraphrase of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, the Message Bible here. So why don't we read the, what the Message Bible says real quick on this passage. See if you catch the heart of it. I think Eugene Peterson, who loves the Lord dearly and is great... A, great Bible scholar. I think he catches what Jesus is getting at here. And, and why don't you read it with me here? But he says this. Um, it's in the middle paragraph of this handout. But he says, and when you come before God, don't turn it into a theatrical production either. All these people make a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. You think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God. You'll begin to sense His grace. Goes on. I, I think there's some. Uh, they make a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think? Oh, I think we copied an extra part in here. Sorry. Um, goes on to say, verse seven. If you skip there, it says, uh, "The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice." peddling techniques for getting you what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. And with a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. And he goes into the Lord's Prayer. But you catch the heart of that? Like, God, your father, he knows everything about you. Whatever shows we're putting on out there, he knows what it's like when no one else is around, when no one knows what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're struggling with. Your father knows, and he wants to meet us there, and he wants us to have this relationship. And when we're honest about that, that phrase just jumps out at me. Just be there. Next time you pray, just be there as simply and honestly as you can. What's the most honest thing you've said to God recently? What's the most raw, real, authentic thing you've said to God recently? I don't know about you, but as I I read that, I know it needs to be more honest, more real, more raw. And I think of my son Garrison. Garrison will say whatever's on his mind, whatever's on his heart, he'll just blurt it out. And he hasn't got to the place where he's filtered things out to, you know, to, to come across better than he does when he's just being honest. But I wonder if God wants us to have a little less filter on our conversation with him on what we're really feeling. And just simply and honestly come to God. God, this is really, really hard right now. Um, or, God, I really need your help in this. And 
whatever it is, God wants to know. He knows already. He knows what we need. He's just kind of waiting for us to be humble enough to ask. And he gives his grace to the humble. And I think that's what he wants for us. I think that's what Jesus was getting at here. So it's not as important where you pray, but why you pray, how you pray, and that it's real. Um, So let's go through just a few, kind of just going to fly through these different parts of this prayer here. The first one is this, um, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. We're going to talk about the how. Before we get to the how, I'm going to hit the fourth time Jesus has mentioned, this is how you should pray. Now if we come away with one thing from this morning, I hope you come away with the fact that Jesus thinks we should pray. And he's given us some tips on how and how not. But this then is how you should pray. And the how, you know, we have to be careful. Again, some would say, some would say, well, he said this word in the King James. It says, thou art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Some people get really into, well, these are the words that he said. But if you look at many, many different translations, most of them, this says in the NIV uh, 1984 that I'm quoting from here, it says how. The NAS says, this is the way you should pray. Others say, uh, pray something like this. But the idea is not to be letter for letter, word for word in this prayer. I think the idea is to catch the heart behind this prayer. Um, and, and so we're just going to try to do that real quick. But this is how you should pray. Um, really the first facet of the prayer that we need to think about is, is who? Who are you talking to? I don't know if you've been around someone before who just jumps into praying and they don't say who they're talking to and you kind of start to feel weird like, you're talking to me because you know you didn't say who you're talking to here. And um, but Jesus says, "Hey, who are you? Who are you addressing? We're talking to our Father in heaven." I, I think about a phone call. Anytime you get a phone call on your cell phone, what's the first thing that happens? You say hi, whoever, or, or they say hi, so and so. But there's this relational exchange. Here's who I'm talking to, and uh, you address that person. Check your phone call, your conversation next time you do it, and see. Sometimes, you know, people, I, I hear people pray, I don't know if I'm, you know, who I'm talking to here, if I'm just talking to myself. One way to know if you're talking to God or yourself is, well, who did you address when you first started that? If you didn't address God, maybe you are just talking to yourself. Um, a good way to kind of bring yourself to God's attention is say, Father in heaven, um, who are you talking to? And they also, you know, um, another part of the, the kind of initial part of this prayer is, um, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is the word. Uh, you know, what does hallowed mean? Um, that's a great question. I think Webster's has it something like this. Greatly revered or respected. He's addressing God. God, my Father, you are, you're awesome. You're greatly revered and respected by me. I think when you pray this, you might go, hallowed be your name. I think of holy is your name. Um, but when you address God, you might includes something about God, some form of praise of who you're praying to. A lot of the Old Testament prayers, they say, O Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I'm about to talk to someone who made all of heaven and all of earth, and, and that's who I'm going to be talking to. So I ought to pretend like someone who could maybe answer me and do some things that wouldn't otherwise happen. Um, but talking to a person and including some praise. You know, praise is not doesn't make God feel better. It doesn't be like, oh yeah, I guess I... I guess I really am awesome. Um, God doesn't need our praise. Praise a lot of times is more for us to remind us who he is. He knows who he is. Uh, he's got angels talking 24-7. He doesn't even need them to remind him. He knows all about his sovereignty, his grace, his power. 
Sometimes when you praise God, it's more for your own benefit. Who, who are you going to be praying to here? Uh, you know, he talks about some other facets here. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, I think a lot of that can speak to, hey, God, uh, this is who I'm talking to. You're the God who made heaven and earth. You're the God, I like praying the Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God. That's who he told Moses he was. Um, but then he goes on to talk about your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, where is God's kingdom? Quick question for you. Where is God's kingdom? Simple answer. You might find this in a kid's book. But God's kingdom is everywhere that God is king. You know, God, and, and really the, these prayers are for it. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in their lives. You know, I think one of the first things we've got to catch, your, your kingdom come in my life. There's territory in your heart and mine that still needs to come under the lordship of Christ. There's habits that we have that are not a part of living out in his kingdom. There's things where his will is not being done in our own lives. Sometimes we can worry about the rest of the world, you know, going to pot and, and all that stuff, but, um, or hell in a handbasket, whatever they say, but we need to uh, start first with, hey, is his will being done here? And then we can worry about that in other places. It, it shifts here from your name, your kingdom, your will, uh, the next part of the prayer talks about us. It's give us our daily bread. You know, in some ways this just speaks to what we need. Ask God for what you need. I think Jesus gives us an example. Well, you're probably going to need daily bread. Um, you know, he says, give us today. What does this imply? Jesus said, you, you might pray something like this. Give us today our daily bread. One of the things I get out of this is he's saying you probably should pray this every day. Whatever day it's called today, you ought to approach God and say, today I need, well, I probably need something to eat. Um, I, need, I need help with this situation, this meeting, this conversation. Uh, bring your needs each day. Daily bread, one of the things uh, good to catch here is that daily bread means two things. It means your physical bread, but it also means your spiritual bread. Lord, give me my food today. Um, but many times, Jesus spoke of bread as being got the word of God. One of the things I'd encourage everyone here to do, just I think it's something as a church we need to make sure we're doing, is that we need to be getting into God's word daily. We need to be, we need his bread. Jesus said, hey, look, man, you don't live just by bread alone. You live by every word that comes from God. But if you and I ate our food physically like we eat God's word spiritually, many of us would be starving. Many of us would be malnourished because that's how we handle God's word. It's, it's not our daily bread. Most of us don't skip meals too often. The older I get, the less I like to skip meals, less I like to fast. But part of our daily bread is if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to be getting in the word daily. And if you're not, one of the places to start is right here. Like Jesus said, hey, today, Lord, help me today get some daily bread. I'm going to eat some food here. I'll pray for that probably eat food whether or not I pray for that but uh, probably not going to get in the Bible unless I get your help here Lord and I just want to encourage you guys to get daily in the word that's what Jesus seems to be encouraging us with sometimes I catch an attitude I know we, we promote the one year Bible um, I have not found a better tool in over 20 years of, of helping people I've not found a better tool to use to get people reading daily now, if you are in the habit of reading daily and you want to read through the Old Testament forwards and backwards, praise the Lord, enjoy that. But if you're not in the habit of reading daily, I just encourage you, don't, don't look down on the one-year Bible until you've graduated from being a daily Bible reader. 
And then you can read it any way you want. But if you don't read the Bible daily, please, 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 don't look down on that tool. Uh, I might encourage you to use it until you get in the hang of reading the Bible daily. And then if you do that, read any way, anywhere you want. But too many times I hear people go, oh, the one-year Bible, I can't believe that's so, uh, that's so routine, that's so... When's the last time you read the Bible? Ah, it's been weeks, months, years. Oh, well, good thing you're putting down the one-year Bible. Brothers and sisters, we're trying to make a church full of disciples who is obeying Jesus and bringing his word into our lives and into our prayer. And I encourage you, if you're not reading daily, at least start praying that you would get your daily bread. And if you are, you might take what you're learning and encourage someone else with it. But um, like I say, if you don't have that habit, that's, that's one I'm positive Jesus wants us all to have as his followers here. And, Felt like he put it on my heart to emphasize that even some more this morning. Next part he talks about, there's give us our daily bread and there's forgive us our debts. You know, I think this speaks to just, uh, in some ways, prayer is approaching God's, God's throne. Prayer is approaching God's throne for grace here. And so, uh, you know, I think one of the things we have to watch for is if we're asking God to be gracious to us for things that we need, um, obvious question becomes are we being gracious to others you know it's like if if you prayed the prayer god forgive me like i forgive others my question to you would be is that going to be a blessing or a curse for you or forgive me like i forgive others but don't mention that I, I haven't forgiven that person that person that person i'm not actually good at forgiveness but please forgive me like i forgive others um beware of that be careful about that i prayed that many 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 times and, and while I prayed that when I was growing up, I was horrible at forgiveness. I, was, I held a grudge like nobody else. But I never really connected with, you know, Lord, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. That's not a good thing. And so we just need to make sure. Prayer is asking God for his gracious help, his gracious provision. But if we're not passing that on to others, I just think Jesus put a little integrity check into our prayer here to make sure we're, we're being gracious with others. Uh, another part here, just the last part. Uh, Prayer for protection. You know, lead us not into temptation. I think we have to be careful there. There's places where James, it says, well, God doesn't tempt us into anything. But I think this is more of like, God, help me. Really, it's like, if you don't help me avoid temptation, uh, I'm helpless here. And so just asking, Lord, help me not fall into this temptation. I think the other side of it, but deliver us from the evil one. I think sometimes we all want to avoid temptation, but we all make mistakes. We all go, ah, I, I bit on that. I, I took the bait gratified my flesh, did something selfish, whatever it was. But sometimes, you know, it's clear that when we sin, sometimes we open the door to the devil to, to have opportunity. And so I think, one, we pray, Lord, help me not give in to temptation. But two, Lord, I blew it. And be merciful to me and protect me from what the devil would want to do for payback for my selfishness or whatever. Go, go back to God's mercy and his grace here. But Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil and from the evil one and all his attacks there. But I think there's a prayer of protection that Jesus put in there. Um, the last part here, you know, this is in, um, this part is included in like the King James. Somewhere along the way, this, this verse has fallen out of favor of Bible publishers. Um, it was in, in older versions here, but it goes on to say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And... The New American Standard still kind of mentions it in parentheses. The New King James does. The King James just has it outrightly included. So there's some manuscripts that have this and some that don't, but I think publishers more and more are kind of excluding things that aren't popular. And 
you know, aren't in all the manuscripts, but there's a lot of case to be made for this is how Jesus encouraged this prayer to be ended. And, and I like the, the idea that it starts on who you're talking to and who are you praising, and you go through some things about his, his name, his kingdom, his will, and then you ask for some things and help, help me with, you know, uh, daily bread and forgiveness and protection, and then it ends the whole thing. It's kind of like bookends. We're praising God, and then we're praising God, and he's the one who we're giving our, our prayer to as well. But it seems like he modeled prayer that would start and end focused on God, and I think that's a good example to us here. Now, um, just to close here, I don't know where each one of you is at when it comes to prayer. Maybe you're all prayer warriors. Some people say there's a verse in Thessalonians that says we should pray without ceasing. You know, you ask someone, well, how often do you pray? I pray all the time. You know, of course I do. I, you just interrupted my prayer. As a matter of fact, I was just talking to you. Um, but, uh, you know, and I know we all try to pray throughout the day, but it seemed like Jesus was talking about something that was more set apart, something that's very focused. And, and if you're not in the habit of having a prayer closet or taking a, a prayer walk away from people, it seems like, yeah, we should be praying all, all day long. I know, I know we're all doing that already, but we might also do just a little bit of focused prayer. And if that's not happening after your quiet time, during your quiet time, I encourage you just to start right here with the Lord's Prayer. And just take this sheet that has the Lord's Prayer on it and just pray. Start off your day and address your Father. And maybe praise some facet about His character that you read in your quiet time or something. And, you know, pray that His, his will is being done in your life today and, and through you in your sphere of influence that His will will be done. But then bring your needs to Him. Maybe it's for daily bread. Um, maybe it's for... You know, your paycheck to buy daily bread. Whatever it might be, bring your needs. And, and then check through relationally. Is there forgiveness things, grace things I need to work on? And you just might take, if you took like a minute at each one of the, the parts of this prayer, it would take you about six minutes. And if you're not in the habit of praying daily, starting to pray six minutes a day might be a good starting place. Uh, I know for me, I, I like to pray as often as I can, but sometimes just having a focused set period of time is, uh, unless I really aim for that, it's, it's easy to go, you know, I'll pray as I drive. I'll pray when I get there. I'll pray with that person. Uh, I think God wants me to grow in some more set-apart time of prayer. And, and I've just been using this, this uh, Lord's Prayer as kind of a way to help be a catalyst. Uh, I, I want to grow in, in prayer that gets God's attention here and a prayer that's relational. And, and, and maybe you need to do the same. But um, this is just, uh, I just think, some encouragement. for. I think Jesus wants each one of us to grow in prayer. I think he also wants to make sure we're getting our daily bread. And, and so you take this home, pray about it, pray through this. But I'm going to close in prayer here and not forget.